Hello, Duck fans! Good afternoon, instead of the usual good morning. This is your Tuesday edition. We do have some economic stimulus in the works coming from on high in the government. We have business as usual in the NFL as free agency goes on. And uh, just breaking news, four of the Brooklyn Nets have tested positive for coronavirus with only one of them uh, showing symptoms. So remember, you don't have to feel it to carry it. As I like to say... Focus on surfaces, not symptoms. Hope everyone's taking care of themselves and doing their best to uh, make the crisis less severe all around. I know that I'm doing my part by uh, I've committed to not going to the gym for the foreseeable future. Uh, I don't want to be in a situation where uh, I or anyone else can spread infection. So we all have to do our part. Today we're going to be talking a lot of football and Oregon Ducks signing class stuff. But uh, before we begin, let me just uh, hit the button here on the radio. Almost a cult of the United States. He's a sort of athletic beat. Now wait a minute. It's official. Welcome to Locked on Ducks, your daily source of info, updates, and analysis. My name is Jordan Long, your host. You can always find me on Twitter at TheDustOffGuy, and you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnDucks. If Twitter is not your style and Facebook is more of your jam, go ahead and hit me up on Facebook. Just look for Jordan Long and find the Locked on Ducks logo. That's my profile pic, and if that's your way to reach people and reach out, go ahead and reach me on there. Always into audience participation here. Love listener input. You can always give that listener input using the hashtags on Twitter, hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. And as soon as we get some comments, questions, concerns, and all that good stuff, we'll have another mailbag session. Looking forward to that. Uh, Always wanting your input. Today we're going to be spending most of our time talking about Oregon Ducks football. Uh, We have some new kids to talk about, and we have some old Ducks, that is, Ducks who no longer play for the University of Oregon, but have some updates to give on them. So we're going to be talking about that. Please do click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, uh, to me on right now. Really great way to support the show. Always appreciate smashing that subscribe button. Thank you. And if you're listening on Apple iTunes, go ahead and leave a five out of five stars review. Uh, If you don't think I deserve five stars, leave five anyway. But go ahead and leave a review uh, in the review section and tell me why. And I'll see if I can't get it fixed for you. Uh, For now, though, on to the action. Yesterday, I brought up Ty Thompson, who is a new uh, commit to the 2021 class. And I wanted to go into a little bit more detail. I might repeat one or two things from yesterday, but as you know, I do like to form this foundational basis for all uh, Oregon Ducks players when they come into the program, or if you're new to the program, we can always refer back to these episodes in order to have that good basis, which we'll build on as their careers progress. And as they go pro, we can always refer to 
these episodes. So Ty's part of the 2021 class. Uh, tall quarterback, six foot four, two hundred pounds. Uh, rated as a pro style quarterback, four stars, a point nine three eight on the twenty four seven Sports composite. He played for Mesquite High School in Gilbert, Arizona, and uh, May of last year in the opening regional combine, he had the following results. He ran a forty time of four point nine six, which is pretty doggone slow. Now. Uh, we're going to talk about hit, watching his tape in a minute and how speed isn't as much of a factor for his style. Uh, he did have a 4.91 shuttle and a 31.9 inch vert, which is actually pretty good for a QB. The scouting report on 24-7 Sports gave a pro comparison of Brad Kaya. Uh, and always please suggest pronunciation corrections if uh, if they happen anyway. Uh Brad was drafted in the sixth round, 215th overall by the Lions in 2017, and played college at Miami. Mostly a practice squad guy, he played for the Panthers, the Lions, and the Colts, all since 1917. And he was on the Bengals practice squad and entering this year as an unrestricted free agent. Given all of the quarterback dominoes that are falling this week. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see much in the way of Brad Kaya, but uh, uh, incidentally, um, Tom Brady has uh, decided to, and he'll announce this uh, tomorrow, but Tom Brady has decided to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so famous Jameis Winston is going to be looking for a landing spot. Uh, Ty Thompson, uh, when I watched his, his highlight tape, I saw he had a really big arm. Uh, he did have really good protection in uh, high school in the tape I watched, and we didn't get to see him scrambling too much. There were a couple of those. I'll get to that in a second. But he was often throwing 40-plus yards with really good deep accuracy. Uh, he did show some evasiveness when his protection broke down, but when he was dancing around the back of the field and kind of running laterally trying to make a play happen, he ended up throwing it away. And, you know, instead of buying time to make a play, he was just buying time to throw it away anyway. In, in any case, he, he can thread the needle when necessary. He's got a really tight spiral, throwing this great bullet pass. You know, the, the expression, uh, throwing on a frozen rope, comes to mind uh, in a couple of plays. But most of them were these, these deep lob passes. He does have a good sense of when to drop the pass from high up down into... Uh, into the basket of uh, his receivers. And also, when, like I said, to thread the needle when he, in between the cover guys uh, who are covering his receivers. His strength seems to kind of overpower his throws, and he does have a tendency to overthrow a, a little bit. Um, not so much that balls were not catchable, but uh, he, he made his uh, receivers work for it at times when they were in the open and didn't need to. He does show a lot of poise under pressure. Uh, he does get the ball out quick to his first read. Now, this could be a matter of scheme at Mesquite High School. I didn't do a lot of in-depth study into that, but it could also be a lack of patience. Uh, I know Justin Herbert has received a criticism of being a uh, read-first quarterback, or first-read quarterback, and not having the patience. So I guess time will tell with Ty if it is a lack of patience or scheme that gets the ball out so quickly to his first read. I don't see a lot of scanning of the field 
and he does tend to stare down his throwers. All things that can be worked out uh, uh, in the coming years at Oregon. Shuck is going to be outstanding. There's no doubt about that. And I think Jay Butterfield is up and coming awesome. We did a show on him a little while back, and as the QB competition heats up, particularly uh, uh, as the beginning of the season comes, or even next year when the 2021 20, class comes, we're going to be getting more in-depth onto, onto Jay but having too many great quarterbacks is a good problem to have. And in this case, I'm excited to know that Chuck is going to be a junior, Jay's going to be a sophomore, and Thompson will be a freshman. And this is really good news for Oregon to have such talent spread out over a number of years. we got to take a quick break, and when we, gonna, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about quarterbacks. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, and we've been talking quarterbacks today. We started the first segment talking about Ty Thompson and introducing him to the listeners and to the Ducks here. Now I want to talk about one of the most famous Oregon quarterbacks of all time, uh, uh, number one QB in my heart, Marcus Mariota. He signed with the Las Vegas Raiders today. A little bit of breaking news if uh, you're just hearing this for the first time. Now, this is actually a very interesting signing, and, and we'll get to why in just a second, but the Raiders currently have Derek Carr as their quarterback. Uh, Gruden has supported Derek Carr publicly and had nothing but praise for him. Uh, I, hopefully, a lot of us got a chance to see the Hard Knocks. I know Hard Knocks has a lot more drama than All or Nothing. It's a bit more of a reality TV show, but this one was pretty doggone entertaining. Uh I got a soft spot for John Gruden's coaching style. He's that old school coach, and I just, he's a real character. Anyway, the Raiders have supported Carr publicly, but the beat writers are saying that Carr really has no future in Vegas and that the glowing praise for Derek is really trying to increase his trade stock and that his days are numbered. So, who do they get to replace him, right? After all, Derek Carr was. One in five down the stretch in the last six games of uh, last season. Uh, he just really couldn't pull it together despite uh, having some of the weapons and talent at his disposal. Now the thing is, Mike Mayock, the Raiders GM, has had Marcus Mariota on his radar for a long time. He had a bit of an unpopular opinion when he was an NFL, the NFL draft analyst back in 2015, and he named... Marcus Mariota as the number one overall pick. Now, of course, famous Jameis Winston, who's moving on from uh, Tampa Bay, was the number one pick that year, and, and Mariota, can you say Heisman Trophy winning Mariota, uh, went number two. But I think that Marcus Mariota is going to flourish in Gruden's West Coast offense. You see, they have an emphasis on medium range passes, this kind of intermediate area, and that's something that... Marcus Mariota has has excelled at. That's definitely one of his strong suits. And believe it or not, but there is this interesting history between John Gruden and Oregon's own Chip Kelly. Of course, now he's coaching UCLA, having done a, a pro stint. And I'm sure we're going to have a specialty show on Chip Kelly on, on one of our Where Are They Now episodes later. But anyway, I digress. Gruden famously said, and I'm going to quote Gruden here. Now, this is, this is I think this was about 2009. Uh, Gruden said, when I got fired from the NFL, I wanted to learn about football. And it started with Oregon. I wanted to learn the spread option. 
and Chip Kelly was nice enough to come down to Florida and spend a week with me. I think it was about 10 days, but the two famously spent all this time together in Florida talking schemes, sharing ideas, and it's obvious that he had some kind of effect on John Gruden because now Gruden's obviously running this spread offense, West Coast offense. You know, it it may be even possible to consider that Gruden's offense is heavily influenced by Chip Kelly. And if that's the case, then Mariota is going to be a natural fit for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to be doing some reporting on this, and I, and I know we're all looking forward to it. One of the things I like to do, one of my interests is the where are they now and continuing to follow Oregon Ducks athletes in their pro careers. So we're definitely going to be watching Marcus uh, in the upcoming season as a Las Vegas Raider. If you remember, he was benched for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, the Titans benched him in week six last season. It was uh, the third quarter, and Mariota had just thrown his second interception. And uh, they ended up losing the game 16 to nothing um, to the Broncos, uh, I believe. But Tannehill made two trips to the red zone it, towards the end of the game, but couldn't make it happen. Now, the, the, the fact that he had these two interceptions is kind of interesting because Marcus Mariota had 15 turnovers in 2017. And a little over half, eight turnovers the following year in this 2018 season. And that following his final turnover in 2018, he had 156 consecutive passes before the game against the Broncos where he threw two interceptions. Obviously going at least the first five weeks without throwing an interception. He is a man who knows how to take care of the ball. And the fact that he went from 15 to 8 to 2 in... 2019 says something about his ability to learn from his mistakes. Now, I was highly critical of the Titans' ability to protect Marcus Mariota uh, in the week in, in the loss the week prior to the Broncos' loss, where he was benched. He was sacked 15. Uh, sorry, 15. He was sacked five times in the game. He's running for his life all the time, and I truly think that not only is that the cause for some of his elbow injuries, but uh, exacerbating existing injuries. And I hate to see his career worsened or or deflated, if you will, by uh, a poor offensive line play. Now, I have to retract that a little bit because obviously uh, Ryan Tannehill played lights out for the rest of the season behind uh, the same offensive line. So it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Tannehill can do. Uh, he's He totally turned that season around and he just signed a four years contract. There's at least 90 million guaranteed in there. And the Titans were not interested at all in Tom Brady. Now, I think being benched was a blessing in disguise. He has a chance to really turn it around in Las Vegas. You know, we talked about him being a natural scheme fit for Gruden and with Gruden's ties to Chip Kelly, uh, along with Marcus Mariota having come up under Chip, uh, we could really see some fireworks this year going to be watching very closely. So my prediction, he takes a starting quarterback job from Derek Carr before the regular season starts, and he has a career year. He's going to have the best year since coming into the NFL in 2015. So that's going to do it for our Where Are They Now bit on Marcus Mariota. Some big news coming out of the NFL with that signing. Um, a lot of news coming out. I'm not going to try to get too in the weeds with that stuff because uh, as it pertains to Oregon, we will be getting into it when appropriate. Uh, I do want to hear from 
the listeners, you know, use that, use that hashtags ask log pod and, or hit me up on Facebook and let me know, do you like hearing this stuff? You know, Marcus Mariota and kind of his story. Do you want to hear about the former ducks? Do we want to talk about, you know, Peyton Pritchard after he's drafted in the NFL and follow his career? Do we want to talk about, you know, once they fall out of the NFL, do they go on to have, uh, announcing careers or, or something like that? I personally like that. Uh, you know, it could be, it could be the historian's bent, this sort of uh, obsession with history that I have, where I like to uh, go into the stories about the storied careers of these people. But let me know. Let me know if it's something you're interested in. For right now, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about more uh, commitments. And we're going to do the Kickers Punters group introduction for the spring training. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and we've been talking quarterbacks this whole time. We talked about Ty Thompson, and then we talked about Marcus Mariota. Next up, I want to talk about Race Malum. And again, you know, especially loyal listener Keith hit me up on Twitter about Shuck Rhymes with Duck. So go ahead and you can be my go-to on pronunciations. But Race Malum committed to the 2020 class. He was a walk-on kicker who who played for Mater Dei, now uh, having taught Latin or teaching Latin anyway at Portland Community College, I say Mater Dei. I'm sure they have a, a more colloquial way to express it, but anyway, at Mater Dei High School from Santa Ana, California. He's six foot two, 175 pounds, and last season he made 60 out of 63 point-after attempts. Uh, and five out of six field goals with a, a long field goal of 37 yards. It's not, it's good for high school. It's good for high school. You know, they're, they're not attempting these, these deep bombs from 40, 50 yards. Uh, his kickoffs are averaging 62 yards and 46 of his 49 kickoffs have, have resulted in touchbacks. He also punted for Mater Dei and, Averaged over 38 yards per punt, uh, you know, about a third of those, uh, maybe a little less than half actually, were inside the 20-yard line. His longest punt was 67 yards, which actually was the last punt of the season, and he also has a 4.1 GPA. You know I have a soft spot for the smart ones, and <laughs> excited to watch this kid. He's going to bring a lot of competition. You see, uh, Chris Saylor kicking, which is a, a premier, you know, top tier kicking camp in the nation, rated race as, and, and I'm just pulling a couple of lines here from their rate, from their review of his play. He said, he, first of all, he's both a punting and a kicking prospect. You know, we talked about over 38 yards per punt, uh, a kickoff average of 62 yards. He has one of the, quote, strongest legs in America and has like a 60-plus yard range, which we talked about, 60-plus yard range, and that he does really well under pressure. Uh, no kicks being blocked, and, you know, it's just really outstanding to have this kind of play on from both ends of the kicking spectrum from, a, from one guy. Um, I think this is a natural segue into doing the kickers and punters group. As you know, uh, last week we really got into the details about the receivers groups. We've talked about the quarterbacks group for the upcoming spring class. And so, you know, as long as we're talking about uh, new new commitments to the 2020-2021 class, then we might as well also talk about all of the kickers and punters to be uh, playing this spring because I think we're going to have a lot of competition. Uh, 
first of all, let me start off by saying that special teams performance is a, is a if not the key to winning. I think that the difference between good teams and great teams is, is special teams performance, and a major way that's that's done is you know with uh, kicking. So first of all, I want to talk about Camden Lewis. Uh, you know the the starting kicker last season, six foot, one hundred eighty five pounds. He was a three star recruit from William Amos High School. Um, he's from Cornelius, North Carolina. He did have offers from well, naturally South Carolina, North Carolina. He also had offers from Duke and Minnesota, Georgia Bulldogs. He had committed to Minnesota, but wound up decommitting before he finally committed and signed with Oregon in December of 2018. Last year, he was 9 for 14 on field goals. But the interesting thing is that he was only 50%, like 4 for 8, I think, from under 30 yards. And, you know, it's just, you know, fine. 5 five for 6 or whatever. Yeah, 5 for 6 from uh, over 30 yards. But, you know, we I used to tease that, uh, uh, J- Jake Elliott from the Eagles uh, couldn't hit anything under 40 yards, but you know, uh, it hits those 50 plus uh, yard bombs. So from from the field goal, so it's just interesting. I think that you know you you're missing these under 30 yards field goals, and I think this is huge. Like he had a missed field goal to take a commanding lead. Now he had a lead. I think it was 14-3 in the first quarter against Auburn. But that was the biggest loss of the season, right? How do we beat Auburn? We, hands down, would have been in the playoff discussion uh, for for the football uh, playoffs this year. But uh, he missed a, a field goal to really take a commanding lead, which may have changed the game. Now, I think we should do a review of the Auburn game during our uh, big games reviews that we're planning for the uh, downtime that's coming from sports not being in, in play right now, but... Uh, more on that later. He did make the clutch game-winning 26-yard field goal against Washington State when they won that game. So, I mean, as time expired, Justin Herbert put them within range, and he made the and he being um, Camden, Camden Lewis made this clutch game-winning field goal. His longest is only 40 yards, um, but again, that's just the nature of you know college play. He's 57 for 59 on point-after attempts, which is good. Uh, you know, his play is good. You know, I'm, it's not decent. It's not average. It's above average. But it doesn't guarantee a start this coming season, given the kind of competition that I think he'll have. I think there's going to be a, a, a competition between him and Ray Smallham, who we just talked about. Um, also, the importance of that 50% from fewer than 30 yards we're going to talk about in just a second. But before we do, I do want to talk about a couple of other kickers and uh, the punter. So Henry Cadleman is 5'10", 210 pounds from Topanga, California. He was also a walk-on, played varsity soccer at Malibu High School, and he hasn't played a snap of football yet. Uh, He redshirted as a freshman last year, so not a lot to report on him. But again, it creates this atmosphere of competition with so many talented legs on the squad. Tyler Koff. Six foot two, two hundred one pounds from Haley, Idaho. He was all Idaho team in all state in two thousand seventeen. Had uh, thirteen field goals and eighty four point after attempts uh, made. Uh, 
40 yards was his longest, and he also red red-shirted last year as a freshman. So last year it seemed like Camden was clearing away the the favorite, but uh, this year we're creating some competition, which is good to see. Now Tom Snee is our punter, and he's been on scholarship the last couple of years. And for those two years he was on scholarship, he he lost a job to Blake Mamoni. I don't know if it's my Moni or my Moan or my Monet, but my man Keith out there, loyal listener, can probably correct my pronunciation on that. Anyway, Blake has moved on from the University of Oregon, and he was among the best in the Pac-12 for punting. And, you know, Tom Snee should be a starter unless race competes for the punter position. And so, you know, if there's a competition there for punter, which he may well do, I, I honestly don't know the history. In fact, here we go with uh, studying histories. I don't know the history of two-way kickers, right? Where you have a kicker and a punter. So it'll be interesting if Race is uh, just a backup, providing competition as a punter, and his main job is as a kicker. We'll just have to wait and see. But the point here that I that I like to make is that not only is there going to be a ton of competition this spring, but it is such an important position. You know, my grandfather, a, a college basketball coach, in Lewiston, Idaho. My grandfather used to talk about free throws are the easy points. If you can't make your three free throws, you just don't bother because your, your number one job is to take the easy points. And this is where that 50% from fewer than 30 yards becomes a real concern for me with Camden. That if you can't make the layups, if you can't make the free throws, then we're leaving valuable points on the field as we talked about with the Auburn game you got to make the easy points and when it comes to kicking on special teams you got to set up the defense for success force the opponent's offense to traverse the entirety of the field in order to get into the red zone in order to get that touchdown make them work for it set your defense up for success and kicking is where it begins I think it's an entirely underrated position and I'm really glad to see such emphasis on the competition this spring. Very excited about the special teams this year. That's something that Oregon has struggled with uh, in the past and one area where we can really improve and I think is a key to going from a good football program to a great football program and getting into that playoff conversation. I think that's going to do it for now. I was going to talk about uh, Kyron Ware Hudson, a four-star recruit for the 2021 class, but we'll save that for another episode. I got to go ahead and wrap it up right now. This has been Locked on Ducks. I'm Jordan Long, your host. And remember, this is your daily source of info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. We're continuing to cover updates in the sports world at large because of all of the changes that are happening in the world of sports right now. Very important to keep up to date on that. We're going to be doing updates on spring training, and I know we've had some press conferences with Coach, and we'll try to get some audio from that for you for tomorrow. But for right now, I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye. Please do follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnDucks, and find me on Twitter, at TheDustOffGuy. Someday I'll tell you about my name there if you can't guess it from my uh, Twitter photo. But anyway... Uh, Follow me on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy and send in questions, comments, concerns, ideas. 
during this time when there is no March Madness, what would you like to hear? What kinds of things would you like to uh, me to be talking about? Uh, I do want to hear it. Hit me up on Twitter. Hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. Please hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave me a 5 out of 5 stars review. I really appreciate it. Great way to support the show. The more 5 out of 5 stars reviews there are, the more that this show gets promoted in Apple Podcasts' uh, hierarchy of podcasts. So it's not just number of listens. It's about subscriptions. It's about those five-star ratings. If you don't think I deserve five out of five stars, that's okay. Leave five anyway, but tell me why in a review so that way I have a chance to fix it for you. That's why I think you can leave five stars anyway because this is a people's podcast. I respond to the listeners and this show is going to be fun for as fun for you as it is for me to do. In any case, this has been Locked on Ducks. Have a great day and go Ducks! Ducks! <laughs>